Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu, and it feels it feels really good to be back. Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, the Raptors are back in action. And look, I know it's just preseason. I get it. Like, you know, nobody cares about a preseason game in Japan unless you're Mike D'Antoni uh, calling for VAR in the middle of the third quarter on a random foul call. Good for you. Make sure you get that complaining to the referee in early. Uh, but... It's just good to see the Raptors play basketball, and it's great to see the Raptors win a basketball game, uh, most importantly. Of course, the reigning champions, you know, very different this season. No Kawhi, no Danny Green. Um, And honestly, in this game, there wasn't even Kyle Lowry, who uh, is apparently still needs clearance on his thumb, even though he said he doesn't need clearance on his thumb and he was playing football practice. All right, cool. Uh, And, you know. Uh, Marcus All, who obviously had a very arduous and long summer playing for the Spanish national team and winning for the Spanish national team at the FIBA World Cup. So it was a very different Raptors team, but the Raptors, you know, still won. Uh, Being the Houston Rockets by a score of 134 to 129. Now, granted, it was Raptors' uh, third stringers and maybe arguably fourth stringers that came in and uh, won this game from the Rockets, who. Did lead for the majority of the game behind James Harden, who had, I would say, the easiest 34 points anyone's ever had, except I watched last season where James Harden was MVP caliber, definitely. Uh, and he was basically doing this on a nightly basis, but Harden was just absolutely amazing, unstoppable. And he kind of had the Rockets in the driver's seat for most of the game. But, you know, 
once the third quarter came around, the Raptors kind of figured out how to guard Harden, or at least Harden just didn't try to impose himself as much as he did in the first half. Uh, the Raptors were able to shore up their defense, and you know, once the depth guys came in, the Raptors' depth guys just way better than the Rockets' depth guys. And so the Raptors won this game in the fourth quarter, but lots of lots of uh, positive takeaways from this game, starting with Pascal Siakam, who 24 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, a block in 27 minutes of play. Got to the free throw line eight times. It was a perfect eight of eight from there. Um, I mean, he looks good, man. He looks good. I know there's a lot of expectations for Pascal this year. It's not really quite fair to expect the most improved player of the year to take another similarly sized leap. And I don't think it's going to be to the same magnitude. Like Pascal, what improved the scoring average by like 10 points a game last season, was averaging 20 points in the finals. Like that's just already a very, very high standard to go from. You're not going to go from there to, like, 28 points per game unless you're, like, Giannis or something. But I don't know, man. (laughs) Pascal might just be that good. (laughs) I don't want to put that expectation on him so quickly, but he was amazing tonight. He was was really, really, really sharp. And, you know, again, it's preseason. No one's taking it that seriously. But uh, he was getting guarded by P.J. Tucker, who, you know, we know P.J. P.J. is a really good defender. Um you know, a fan favorite here in Toronto for sure. And, uh, man, Pascal just made P.J. have a miserable night, man. P.J. Tucker, zero points, uh, five fouls in 20 minutes. Um, yeah, Pascal was was doing some damage uh, to P.J., definitely putting him in foul trouble. That post-up, the spin move, the drive towards the middle, all of it's there. Um, the, you know, that's something we know Pascal can already do. But the fact that he can extend his game with other things. So, first off, the main difference this year with Pascal, obviously, is that his role has changed. Right now, he's sort of bumped up a position, so he's basically the go-to guy. But he's not the typical go-to guy that you would expect someone like Harden or Westbrook to be. who The guys that have the ball in their hands all the time, running every single play, every possession goes through them. That's not the same role for Pascal. Pascal is a go-to guy within the context of a team that really shares the ball. The Raptors, are, at the core of it, are still a team that's going to move the ball. It's going to be athletic, play hard on defense. Um, and so... It's not going to be oriented to Pascal in that same way. Um, but Pascal is definitely the Raptors' most capable scorer. And I think this year, the big difference is that he's no longer going to be spending as much time on the baseline, which is where he was last season. Um, because either A, he was uh, sort of spacing the floor for guys like Kawhi or even Kyle Lowry to sort of attack in the middle of the floor. Um, or honestly, he just wasn't, you know, the first or second option sometimes and so he would have to be the third option and sort of work that baseline like Ben Simmons in the playoffs so you know that was where Pascal spent a lot of his time last season this year it seems to be he's spending much more time up top and he's much more focused and involved in every possession now granted there's no Marcus Gasol no Kyle Irie today obviously so Pascal had to take an even bigger role but I mean he looks comfortable operating at the top of the floor you know a couple of pick and rolls here and there uh, a couple nice dump off passes to Serge Ibaka, who, man, he looks great for a 30 year old. Um, you know, uh, he hit two threes, one of which was like a 30 foot bomb to beat the shot clock, uh, which, you know, it wasn't necessarily intended that way. I think uh, Pat McCaw could do a better job of breaking down Ryan Anderson off the, off the dribble, four point guard. Uh, but regardless, Pascal hit that shot. Really, really nice shot. Um, 
but just overall, Pascal looked very confident, very capable. He looked like the second best player on the floor tonight next to Harden. Um, and that's not easy. Like, there was a lot of good players in this game. Um, Westbrook, obviously, being one of them. But, you know, Pascal, he looked he looked good, man. He looked good. His playmaking was solid early on. He had, like, three assists in the first five minutes. Um, you know, there was times where he was a little wild. Uh, he had five turnovers. A couple of those uh, I would describe as erroneous charges. Um, the referees in this game... I mean, it's preseason for everybody, so I get it. But, um, yeah, for the most part, Pascal was was looking really, really sharp. Obviously in great shape um, and great focus in terms of his mentality. And, yeah, he was good. He was really good. Uh, the only negative about, about Pascal, really, isn't even a negative. It's just that he was assigned to guard James Harden, and Harden just walked past him every time. Now, granted, I think this is a case where... Siakam actually executed the defensive scheme very well, but it was just a case of the scheme maybe not being the right one for this approach with Harden, because obviously Harden is a very difficult, uh, very, very, very difficult uh, guard, um, you know, for anybody. But, um, yeah, I mean, basically the assignment was for Pascal to sort of stand almost to the side of Harden to sort of take away um, his right hand, force him sort of moving towards more of his left. And... I don't think Harden struggles with that. I think that's something that he saw a lot of last season, and Harden just got much, much better last year at the floater game. And so in this game, you saw that basically Harden had probably at least like six or seven of the same play where Pascal would take away his right hand, uh, Harden would drive into the lane, and then put up a little floater with his left and uh, finish. And so, you know, it was was not – not annoying, but it was just funny to see that happen over and over and over again. It seems like a defensive um, adjustment was made at halftime. I can't really say what it was because Harden just wasn't as involved in the second half. But um, uh, Harden was much more quiet in the second half. But yeah, I mean, Harden was burning Pascal a lot. But for the most part, Pascal looked really good. And as a lead man, I, I like him. I-, I really like it. You know what I mean? Like, I- I- everyone has high hopes for Pascal. Dangerously high hopes, I would say. But uh so far, he's living up to it, man. I mean, you can't argue with 24 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists in 27 minutes. Like, nothing there. Oh, the only thing other th- with Pascal is that he didn't really pull out the mid-range game, which I still think ultimately it's a case where he doesn't actually have the entire comfort and sense of when to go to that mid-range game throughout the course of a game. It's obviously something he worked very hard on in the offseason. And it's something that he's going to have to do, especially if he's matched up more against bigs. There wasn't as much switching from the Rockets today. And I don't think uh, the Raptors made a point of attacking someone like Capella as compared to someone like Harden or Westbrook, for example, with, with Siakam on switches. But, yeah, we just haven't seen that mid-range game yet. So, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll look for it. I, I don't think there was a big uh, need for it today, so we didn't see it. But hopefully we see it in uh, future games because it, it looks really good in, in training and stuff. Um, Fred Van Vliet also looked really sharp. Uh, 16 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists in 28 minutes for Fred with 3 steals. And if we're going to be completely honest, man, he outplayed Russell Westbrook, who just, you know, didn't look that great. Uh, if, if anything, actually, I, I, not to slander Westbrook at all, but it was actually kind of uh, refreshing and uh, a relief to see Westbrook take shots because that meant Harden wasn't taking shots. And Westbrook, you know, went his standard one of six from the three-point line with a couple of turnovers. But, um... Fred looked really sharp, looked really confident, man. I mean, it's funny when you look at his uh, finishing stat line of 5 of 10 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. It's not the most impressive stat line by any means. But at the same time, um, the way he plays, the confidence he plays with, you would never think he was doing that. You, you would think he was like 8 of 8 
on every single shot that he took because uh, Fred is just he's just really confident. You know, like so some players that win the championship and they just sort of get a permanent uh, I don't know title boost from that. You've, you've sort of seen it throughout the history of uh, the NBA. And, and Fred, I mean, he was already very confident to begin with. So now he's just regularly taking 30-foot threes. And uh, to be honest, I actually really support this decision because, A, he's a very good shooter. He's capable from shooting from there. So actually he's open. He's going to make those shots. Like, it's not really a question of can he hit those shots. Um, and for a guy who's, like, sub-six-foot, I'll be real, Uh you know, I've stood next to Fred. I'm definitely taller than Fred. Like, you know, this man is what he shot from the field today, 5 of 10. Um, but, like, yeah, if you're going to be small, like, you have to step out and create space somehow. And part of that somehow is coming out deeper in the three-point line and, and shooting some deeper threes. And quite honestly, you know, if he can do that, and if he can do that more often, if he can do that off the dribble a little bit, which we didn't really see much of today, a lot of it was, um, a lot of his threes were catch-and-shoot threes. Um, but yeah, if, if you can do more of that, then yeah, we're, we're talking about a really, really good, like starting caliber quality level player. Like he's not going to be an all-star, but like he's, he looks pretty good out there, man. Looked really composed. Um, I think Fred physically looks to be in a lot better shape. Last year he was really banged up. He had, you know, one injury after another and, you know, he had that hit pointer in the playoffs, which he finessed into a starting spot essentially. Uh, sorry, Danny Green, but, um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Fred looks healthy. He looks quick. He looks... Uh, and actually, the best thing about Fred today was really he looked really decisive, which is the big issue with Fred last year. Like, I wrote a piece about, you know, looking at Fred's case to start, and you can read about that. Uh, just, I don't know, scroll down my timeline or something. It's there. Um, and one of the one of the very jarring stats I sort of uh, discovered in, in, in just looking back at Fred's season last year was 31% of Fred's shots came from with seven seconds or left on the shot clock which is an absurdly high number right because even if you think about it guys like Kawhi, guys like uh kyle larry guys like pascal they also have to create in the last seven seconds of course sometimes the offense breaks down and someone's just got to get a shot for you but like for those guys it was like 16 percent of their possessions 17 percent 18 percent of the possessions like it was you know a sub it was less than a fifth for Fred, it was like a third, and I think that really goes to show sort of uh, there needed to be more – there needs to be an improvement in terms of his judgment, in terms of his decision-making. He needs to make quicker decisions because, like, you know, one of the issues with Fred, he also led the team in terms of how many dribbles he had per touch. So every time he got the ball, he dribbled the ball more per touch than guys like even Kawhi and Kyle, which is just not acceptable, really. Like, as a point guard, you got to make quicker decisions. Um and, yeah, I thought today he made a lot quicker decisions. And, honestly, I thought that was one of the things holding Fred back. It's not like he can't do these things. It's just sometimes he runs a pick and roll, doesn't really work out, does not a really great passer, runs another pick and roll, doesn't really work out, and all of a sudden he's forcing a shot and he's missing. And, you know, it's a long rebound. Defense goes the other way. Um, it's scramble going the other way, and the other team gets a layup. Like, that's a lot of what happened with Fred last year. And, you know, when Fred was bad, that was a lot of the reason why it was bad. So, I thought Fred showed a lot quicker in terms of his decision-making. Um, and it does seem to be that when he plays with a starting lineup, uh, especially when he plays with more capable you know, players, obviously, it seems to be his level is also raised. So, I don't know. That might be a case in his favor for starting. And we know Fred obviously wants a starting spot. But Fred looked really good today. Uh, I was really impressed by Fred. Um, Serge. Serge, very sharp. Uh, extremely sharp. Uh, you would never know that he just turned 30. 
Um, maybe all the age jokes about Serge were actually backwards, man. He looked younger than 30 today, for sure. Uh, 18 points in 22 minutes, 8 of 10 shooting from the field. Uh, hit a 3 off a uh, very nice um, uh, drive by Pascal, and he kicked it out to Serge. Um, yeah, Serge was great. 18 points. Like Defensively, it was tough because, again, um, the James Harden pick and roll, which uh, Clint Capella, which might be the most devastating pick and roll combination in the league right now. Um, you know, maybe, 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 maybe Steph and Draymond, but like Draymond doesn't have the finishing Capella does. Um, yeah, that surge, like he, he struggled defensively with that, but offensively, man, surge, like hit the first five shots of the game was quick. I mean, he was spinning and dunking on people. Like, again, you would never know this man was 30. Like he was playing like, (laughs) he's playing like it was 23 or something, man. Um, yeah, he looks really sharp. His he looks physically obviously he always looks really chiseled and ready, but it's almost it's a very distant memory that 2017 Serge Ibaka you saw where, you know, um he looked uh very slow and labored playing next to JV in the power forward um lineup there. Uh like he just I don't know. That that guy is just I don't know. It's a distant memory, man, cuz Serge right now it looks so sharp. Um and again, it's a testament to his professionalism really that a 30-year-old vet came into camp so ready to play, right? Nothing against Kyle, nothing against, you know, Mark. Those guys can take the time. It's completely understandable for veterans to take the time. Guys like Westbrook, for example, this is first preseason game. You know what I mean? Like, it's normal for guys of that much experience to sort of take it easy in training camp. It's probably a good idea, too. But for Serge Ibaka to come in this ready and this sharp, um, yeah, it just speaks to how much commitment he has to the team and how much commitment he has to his career. Man. He looks he looks amazing. And, you know, I remember at training camp, someone asked him a question of like, you know, you know, with you winning the championship and then, you know, making a trip to Congo and um, helping Masai, obviously, with his Giants of Africa initiative and things like that. Like, did you have enough time to sort of uh, work on everything? Because it was a short offseason. And Serge said, honestly, there's always time if you make time. And um, that's very true. That's that's very true, and it speaks to uh, his mindset and the whole thing, man. He he is really uh, a good example for the guys on the team to follow, really. Because I mean, again, a thirty-year-old should not look this good this early in the season, and Serge looks amazing. Um, thought OG was good, played a lot of three and D. Um, you know, again, the stat line not very impressive: seven points, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, twenty-one minutes, three of five on the field. But honestly, man, that's what he did as a rookie that made everybody really love him. Like, that's what he did as a rookie. Now, obviously, in his third year, you want to see more improvements than what he did as a rookie. But at the same time, I think his role as a rookie, in terms of a 3 and D guy, that's what he should be striving for. And in terms of 3 and D, I thought he did that well today. Obviously, he only hit one three. It was off a corner, off a little pin down. Kind of liked it, actually. Good action. He could have had other shots, but, you know, he uh, the, the the distribution wasn't entirely there. And I think with a guy like Kyle Lowry, with a guy like uh, Marcus Gasol in the game, two of the Raptors' best passers, Probably the Raptors' two best passers, actually. Um, I think OG will have more opportunities there. But, you know, in terms of 3 and D, I, I thought OG was good. Like he, he made good decisions on both ends of the floor. And that's something where last year it felt like he was always trying to be someone he wasn't in terms of they were trying to develop his uh, scoring and, you know, creating off the dribble and maybe running a pick and roll. Like, none of that is really OG's game. Like, really. Maybe down the line that's something they can do. But really, fundamentally, what makes him a very – good and important and valuable player as especially as a young guy is that he's uh, makes good decisions makes good reads and he's a 3 and d guy 
And if he's going to hold down a starting lineup spot, which I think he should hold down a starting lineup spot, because if you look at it, if the Raptors start small and they have like, I don't know, Kyle and Fred in the backcourt, you need somebody bigger that's going to handle the bigger twos of the world and the bigger threes of the world. And, you know, if especially if Pascal is going to do so much scoring, you don't want him to do that much defensively as well. So you kind of need a guy like OG to step in and take the toughest assignment. And OG today, he guarded Westbrook. Westbrook did not have a good game, 13 points, 4 of 10 shooting, 5 turnovers. Um, and, yeah, you kind of need OG to be in there and just to sort of start and sort of balance out the lineup. And I, I liked what I saw today. Like, what OG did today is exactly what he needs to do to hold down a starting spot. And, obviously, I want to see a little bit more in terms of maybe getting a little bit more involved. But OG, for the most part, was good. Two dunks, a three. Like, that's that's what I that's what I want from OG. That's what I want from OG. In terms of the bench guys that impressed, I thought uh, Ronda Hollis Jefferson had one of the most active 13 minutes I've ever seen from anybody. Um, I'm not saying he's like a wing version of Bismack Biombo, but like he is just involved in everything. Like the amount of times he somehow got to the loose ball is is very impressive. It's legitimately impressive. I mean, most of the times he's creating that loose ball himself by dribbling to traffic and then falling over and twisting and turning and you know collecting some offensive rebounds or whatever but i don't know how he does it <laughs> it's not a pretty style of play by any means but it's effective ronde had a very good 13 minutes today um and it's very similar to what we saw in the intra squad scrimmage in uh laval university uh you know last week like you know ronde is just he gets involved he gets he does things like he has very obvious flaws like him shooting a basketball just doesn't look right at all it looks Physically painful, but he supplies energy, he supplies hustle, and in like 13 minutes off the bench, which is probably what he's going to play this season, is probably 13 minutes off the bench as like a backup four. It's not bad. It's not bad. Like, I'll take seven points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, two or four from the field, three or four from the three-point or free-throw line Uh, in 13 minutes. Like, that's a lot of production. That's a lot of energy in a short amount of time, and... uh. I like Rondé for that. I mean, he's not quite a discount Pascal Siakam because uh, Pascal's touch from pretty much everywhere on the floor is, like, worlds better than Rondé. But Rondé at least replicates a lot of what Pascal does in terms of um, his role and the spaces that he's operating in. And so, I don't know. I don't know. I don't mind Rondé. I don't mind Rondé. If he does this all the time, if his activity is always this high, it's going to win you a lot of regular season games for sure. Um, I thought Boucher was very impressive in his 18 minutes. He had 12 points of four or five shooting four or five from the free throw line, got seven rebounds two assists, a block, you know, Chris, I'm not entirely sold on Boucher as an NBA player, just because like, he's so slim. Like it's just hard to envision him doing things like boxing out and rebounding and, um, uh, getting a shot off. Like he's just, he's going to be pushed around a lot, but at the same time, you know, if he can finish, if he can make up for it with his speed, with his athleticism, with his quickness, showing a little bit of an expanded handle right now, just like in summer league, he's carrying the ball up the floor and pushing the pace, which I like. If you're going to get the rebound, you might as well try to push the pace, and he, he does an effective job of that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if he, if he can do some of these things, and really, if he can finish reliably around the basket, which is something that last year he wasn't quite doing, but if he can finish reliably around the basket and maybe just make like one or two more passes, like I'm not asking for a lot, but I also don't want to see like Hassan Whiteside level like uh, tunnel vision from Boucher. But 
yeah, if he can finish reliably around the basket, that's something. And I think he might actually carve out, uh, you know, some backup center minutes. Like, obviously, Ibaka and Gasol are going to split most of the minutes at center. It seems like they're going to play a little bit together. And if they play a little bit together, then all of a sudden there's a couple backup center minutes ready. And honestly, like, could Boucher contribute in the way that, like, Bebe contributed in previous years? Yeah, why not? Like, a, like 10 minutes, pure energy, you're either good and you're staying in or you're bad and you're coming out real quick. Yeah, yeah, probably. And and he does some things. He legitimately does some things. Like his his defense, um, interior defense, obviously he provides a shot-blocking presence even though he's a little jumpy and a little JaVale McGee-esque in terms of maybe not jumping at the right times and sort of selling out for the block. But also, like, his perimeter defense is pretty good. Like, for a guy who's a power forward, he moves really quickly, obviously covers lots of ground with his frame. And that's where his, you know, uh, thin frame actually does help him is his quickness. Like, it's, his perimeter defense... Um, a, a little Pascal esque, and yeah, and, and if he can finish inside, like that's that's not it's not a bad player. It's not a bad player. So I, I liked what I saw from Boucher. Uh, I liked what I saw from Matt Thomas. At least offensively, this man could definitely shoot. Defensively, this <laughs> he was getting blown by every single time. <laughs> it was it was honestly a little embarrassing. Um, his teammates, obviously having practiced with him, knew in, immediately that he needed help every single time down the floor, and so. Uh, it's good that his teammates already are trying to have his back, but of course you don't want a guy on the floor that always needs help on defense because then you're just leaving guys open and the Rockets definitely have three-point shooters to sort of punish that sort of uh, uh, defensive strategy. But uh, yeah, so Matt Thomas definitely has to improve his defense to get more minutes, but I mean, the man can shoot, the man can score. And uh, you know, that, that can't be questioned. Like he came into the game immediately and hit a three. Like I like that quality about a guy. Like a lot of shooters kind of come off the bench. They might need one or two shots to sort of find the rhythm. Matt Thomas, man, he just comes out the bench like he was in the game already, and he just knocks down a three. He did the same thing in the intra squad scrimmage as well. So, uh, for a bench guy, obviously you need that instant offense type of uh, quality to him. And you know, Thomas, I think he, he can definitely uh, shoot in any sort of scenario. But yeah, the defense has to improve. I like Brissett's energy, um, but aside from that, I don't know. He needs polish. He should go to the nine oh five, and he probably will. Um, and Terrence Davis, my guy, Terrence Davis who came on this podcast, or at least he did a sit-down with me uh, in, in training camp. Man, Terrence Davis looked good. Eight points in 19 minutes, five rebounds, five assists, three steals. Obviously, that's not, like, eye-popping numbers, but the fact that he got that involved and the fact that the speed of the game didn't look to be above what Davis's level was is very rare. Like, rookies come in, and they are overwhelmed by the speed of the game, the physicality of the game. None of that really applies to Davis. Like, yeah, Davis had a couple of moments where he was raw, but, like, you know, it, it's nothing that, like, Norm wouldn't have done, for example, you know what I mean? So, or maybe that's a bad comparison. But still, uh, it's it's not entirely out of character. It's not like it was he just wasn't able to get to his spots. No, Davis was able to get to his spots. And in another day, he would have been a little bit more efficient because he was over 5 from 3. And we kind of know he can shoot, man. He, I, I, th- I think he can shoot. Obviously, he needs to sort of, as any rookie does, he needs to come in and improve his game. But I, I'm, it's not a broken jump shot by any means. Uh, and it's a pretty reliable one. I should just, even just based on him watch, watching him shoot around and stuff like that. But, um, man, Davis, yeah, he just finds ways to contribute. Like, it's the same thing in Summer League. Like, he, he's going to do a little bit of rebounding for you. He's going to do a little bit more playmaking. Um, you know, he's new to the point guard role. He's never really just been a point guard. Um and the, the Raptors seem pretty intent on uh, developing as a point guard, which is fine. He's a little combo guard-esque, but he, he could be more of a point guard. Um, but, you know, his playmaking was good. Like, he came in, got a couple of assists right away, like two assists in his first minute. Uh, he's got great length, 
and anticipation. So, you know, he got three steals today, including one where he just uh, – Westbrook tried to drive on him. Davis basically stepped in front, took the brunt of Westbrook's drive, which, again, like, I don't know, man. Like, 95% of NBA guards can't really do that without some help. Uh, and, you know, it was a, it was a little Drew Holiday-esque in terms of how physical he is as a point guard and how big he is as a point guard. His frame is actually very similar to Drew. Um, and I've seen other people make that comparison already. I'm not the first to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he stepped in. He stripped Westbrook. You know, I think the ball went the other way, and I think Boucher got two layups or two free throws or something like that. But, yeah, Davis was, was good. And also, he had to play of the game by dunking on one of the Rockets' uh, assorted bench guys. I'm sorry. I'm not sure who that was. Uh, the Rockets had a pretty deep bench. I could tell you it wasn't Austin Rivers. It wasn't Isaiah Hartlestein. And it wasn't, like, Tabo Safalosha or Ryan Anderson. But probably, maybe, like, Gary Clark or this Clemens dude or someone named Pons. S. Pons. Who who is S. Pons? All right. But regardless, yeah, Davis, he, he caught a body. You can you can look for that uh, highlight pretty much everywhere. But it's on my Twitter account. It's on the Raptors Twitter account, wh- wherever you want to find it. But it, it's it's worth seeing. Terrence Davis caught a body. Uh, and then, yeah, and, you know, in terms of who didn't really, you know, impress, I don't – like Stanley played theoretically. I don't know. I mean, like he didn't feature at all in the first half. He came in four minutes left in the third quarter, played seven minutes, didn't really do much with the ball. Like, he had a couple opportunities to maybe step into a three. He mostly decided to uh, dribble pass and try to make a play, but the play didn't really happen. I don't know. It, it's a very throwaway seven minutes for Stanley. Pat McCaw got 22 minutes. Didn't take a single shot. Like, I... You know, like I, I get that he's a point guard, but I feel like he's a point guard only in the sense that he never wants to shoot, so he's always passing. Because, like, as a point guard, how are you going to play 21 minutes, go 0 for 0 from the free field, <laughs> not shoot a single three, and not shoot a single free throw? Like, really? Really? Like, yeah, okay, he had four assists uh, on, against one turnover. That's good. That's good decision-making. But also, like, yo, in the modern NBA, you can't be a point guard like this, man. You just, you can't. You have to shoot at some point. Like, a couple times, yeah, Ryan Anderson switch. And Brian Anderson on a switch and we're talking about Ryan Anderson he's like 30 now he's always been uh you know Matt Thomas-esque in terms of people picking on him and, and driving on him he's a defensive liability let's be real and if you're a point guard and you have Ryan Anderson on the switch I need to see you do something with that you're either you're either um definitely blowing past him and drawing help and dumping it off or you're shooting it and McCaw just didn't didn't even do that so like i I don't understand this whole thing with mccall like i I see that he provides energy i see that he does some things well he makes right reads things like that i get it but also like yo how could you be a point guard and not take a single shot in 21 minutes i I don't get that so that's a little strange uh who oh norm yeah norm i mean i I guess it was okay because he had 14 points in 18 minutes that's not bad at all Uh, he shot five and nine from the field two of three from three you know hit both free throws there's nothing to complain about there, but just watching it, like he made a lot of bad defensive decisions in terms of just leaving shooters wide open. He wasn't creating anything for teammates, and honestly, like I'm not really sure there with Powell. You know what I mean? Like, yes, 14 points is nice. I think he'll, you know, the scoring is is definitely useful on a team that doesn't have that many like pure scores. And Norm, at least in some sense, can is a pure score because he could get a shot, but. You got to do a couple other things on the floor. Is all I'm saying. Um, and uh, you know, even though you have 14 points, I wouldn't really say this was a good performance by Norm. But overall, 
an encouraging start for the Raptors. Obviously, no Kyle Lowry, no uh, Marcus All. We need to see them integrated back in the team. I think it would be pretty seamless because they're both such high IQ players. But we do need to see what physical state they're in. But uh, for the most part, you know, encouraging start. Um, the Raptors play again another preseason game in Tokyo uh, on Thursday, also at 6 a.m. So uh, my sleep schedule is just going to be completely messed up for the week. But, uh, you know, there will be another podcast for that. In terms of this one, the three stars tonight, obviously number one, Pascal Siakam, 24 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. Second star, I'm giving that to probably Fred, 16 points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals in 28 minutes, pretty good. And third star, Serge Ibaka, 18 points, five rebounds, and assists, eight of 10 shooting from the field in 22 minutes. In terms of the uh, Gerald Henderson Award, um, I got to get that to PJ, man. I'm sorry. Or sorry, no, I should know. That's the Patrick Patterson Award. My bad. Patrick Patterson Award, uh, zero points. Uh, actually, very fitting, actually, for PJ. Sorry, buddy. But uh, this was a playoff Pat-like uh, performance from you today. And, um, yeah, in terms of the Gerald Henderson Award, I- I'm not really sure where to go with this one, I guess. Like, Tabo Cephalosha came off the bench and had 10 points in 15 minutes, didn't miss a single shot. So, I guess I'll go there. It's a plus 11, 15 minutes. Okay, that's pretty good. Um yeah, I mean, I kind of forgot about Tabo Cephalosha. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, it It is really, really messed up what the NYPD did to him. That that That's one of the most messed up stories around the NBA in the last five years. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see he's back on the floor. I'm happy to see he's healthy. Uh, and he had a good game. So, shout out Tabo Cephalosha. I could, he could even play for the Rockets, you know? It makes sense. They already got Harden. They already got Westbrook. You might as well get Tabo as well. You just complete the backcourt from the OKC, the Thunder teams. Um but yeah, that does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Again, this is very exciting to have Raptors basketball back. Uh, I didn't think I would go what thirty-two minutes uh, on a preseason podcast, but uh, you know, I'm just excited, man. I'm excited to get another season going. Look, I know it's not a championship season coming. I, I like I'm just gonna be completely realistic about that. But like, yo, there's a lot to watch for. This is a very exciting team. This is a very good team. I think the core identity of the Raptors has not changed. All right, they are still a very long, very athletic young team that shares the ball um and plays unselfishly and i love watching basketball like that like that's they play a very good style of basketball a lot of guys to you know young guys to be excited about obviously uh slightly older guys that might take a leap and even the veterans you know i I, i'm excited in the sense that i know what they can do and i'm happy that they're on the raptors so it's a good team man it's a good team i don't need to convince anybody that you know to watch the raptors but i mean with all the I think the the bandwagon fans that that might have uh, latched on during the playoffs and stuff like that, and you may look at it like, okay, they're not going to win a championship, so maybe I should tune out. I don't know, man. You're missing out. Don't you don't want to you don't want to tune on this team. This team is good. This team is still very good, and they're going to do some things. And uh, you know, there's a lot to watch for. So I'll be back on Thursday after the next preseason game to deliver another recap. But in the meantime, thanks everyone for listening. And of course, if you haven't already, watch Run It Back with me and Alex. Um, Alex Wong, Stephen LeBron on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, you know, it's a great show. It's a, it's a show for Raptors fans, by Raptors fans. It's very authentic. We're going to be in very, honestly, good-looking restaurants and uh, bubble tea spots and things like this. Uh, it's it's very well-produced. Like, it looks really good. And, yeah, we're going to have conversations that you and your fellow Raptors fans would have. It's going to be genuine. It's going to be authentic. Hopefully, it's funny. Hopefully, it's insightful. Um, if it's not funny, blame Alex. If it's not insightful, blame me, I guess, or Alex. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth your time. Uh, and you know, the first episode we shot in Quebec city, 
at a, a very nice um, Asian-themed bar. And, uh, you know, if you're in Quebec City, check out Che Tao for sure. But, yeah, uh, watch that on YouTube. And, you know, uh, in terms of for everybody at, at, at Yahoo Sports Canada, it's going to be a big year for us. we got a lot of things coming out for you. There's a, even going to be a new show uh, in terms of on this podcast network on Raptors of Everything. So look out for that. I'm not quite ready to make the official announcement, but uh, it's going to be something I think uh, really does engage Raptors fans in, in a way that it's not a new idea, but definitely it's an underserved idea. So look out for that. And I'll make an announcement on that shortly. But um, there's lots to come from the team. So, um, yeah, it's going to be another great season. Thanks for listening. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.